Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow female artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom these women have to offer. Today I sit down with Paloma Nunez and enjoy some ice cold beers. Mmm. Paloma sips some highly anticipated Karma Citra from Great Lakes Brewery while I fall in love with Under the Sakura, a cherry blossom lager from High Park Brewery. Paloma is an indisputably fabulous actor and an award-winning actor on screen and on stage. Whether she's bringing a script to life or creating one on the spot in an improv show, Paloma is a legend. You can see her on the big screen in films like the 2019 action comedy Shazam and Patricia Rosema's rad feminist film Mouthpiece. On TV, you can see her, well, everywhere. (laughs) From Kim's Convenience to Designated Survivor to all five seasons of the award-winning Baroness Von Sketch Show, some of which she also wrote on. She even has a small role in the Oscar-winning movie Spotlight, which she won a Screen Actors Guild Award for. Paloma would like to encourage viewers and listeners to support Black Lives Matter Toronto and the efforts to defund the police. I've posted links in the bio on the podcast Instagram account at Liquid Courage Podcast with some more information. So Paloma is an actor, a writer, an improviser, and a woman I admire immensely. Hi, Paloma. Hello, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Are you kidding? I genuinely feel like I have a celebrity. Like I, I like excited, I excitement peed like five times before we No, started. come on. Yes. Yes. Because you know, it's weird. I was thinking about this. Like I have known of you and know who you are for years and years. We've never like officially, I've never said, Hey, I'm Amanda. I just knew who you were. And then I was working casting one day and I think you came into audition and I was just like, hi Paloma. And I just left you dry and didn't even introduce myself. But I feel like I've known you from coming into casting all the time. And then Mm. I just know of you too. You have a rep too, like a cool, fun, smart, wonderful woman. Cool, fun, smart, wonderful. I'm adding that to my resume. <laughs> I'm taking those four things and be like, this is what I am. And you can never take that away from me. It's been said. It's been said and it's on recording and it's a <laughs> verbal contract. Um, what kind of beer are you drinking today? Well, it took all summer for me to get this. Uh, oh. but it's uh, Karma Citra from uh, Great Lakes Brewery. Ooh. Uh, because they, for some reason, would only make like small batches. And apparently it's like the most popular so then obviously during this pandemic, I started ordering like beer for delivery. Mm-hmm. So then, then we got to this, like, oh, we want to try this. And they're like, oh, they probably won't make more in the fall till the fall. And that was honestly May. And then they've wow. been making it constantly. But anyways, they finally have it. I think they have too much now, they've said. So, <laughs> but this is so my you're first drinking like liquid summer. gold. Oh, wow. The first one of the summer. I feel very special. Just got it. So wow. And you're wearing your Raptors jersey. Yes. I was saying I'm wearing my Raptors. This is my only Raptors apparel. I was like, I have to wear Raptors or Leafs or Jays. Like I have to wear something for you today. And yeah, and for sure it's the wraps because right right now it's playoff time. So that matters. Leafs, yes. I'm so sorry. They're so they're so sad. <laughs> I I hear everything filtered. Like my partner is a fan of all of those teams. So he'll sort of like fill me in on everything or I'll call I'll be like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, babe. I'm like, oh, okay. Raptors are on. He's watching Raptors. Okay, bye. Like, I'll talk to you later. Go enjoy. Tell me what happened. 
But I got this when they uh, when they won last year because, listen, anything that brings people together and everyone's like Ooh. cheering for the same thing, I get like high off of that. It's so great. I mean, I know that's sort of like a bandwagoner, but I'm very transparent about it. Like, oh, everybody loving the same thing. How often does that happen? Yeah. So, and like amazing. across, you know, different age groups, different demographics, like, like all everybody in this country, like, especially because it was a country thing too. Yeah. Right. So having like Vancouver and like Montreal, because otherwise, I don't know if the country's behind the Jays, maybe if the Jays were in the world series, they would be right. Yeah. But there's, and, and like, where else is there something like that's all behind, like an entire country is behind yeah. it, except for maybe the Olympics. Right. Right. Yeah. That's not like a national team. Yeah. They're sort of an unofficial national team, even though they're the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I so mean, cool. last year was just yeah. some, uh, you know, when you, I know it's sad. I have children, but it was some of the happiest times of my life. <laughs> You're like, it was the happiest, but I have to say one of the happiest just because I have two kids. Yeah. I'm being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this will go down in history and they might hear it. And they might the hear it. Oh, that's really cute to think of. Like maybe they like years from now, they're like, oh, what's this thing on this phone? It may not oh, be a this phone. Is about my mom. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Oh, Raptors. What? <laughs> they're like, oh, no, Happy no, no. Is- we're on par. It's fine. Yeah. At yeah. least on par. But like yeah. my kid, my kid knew. We, we went crazy. <laughs> we went crazy. Are we cracking it? What's your, uh, what are you drinking? Yes. So I'm drinking. Okay. So I went to, um, I live in High Park. I live very close to you actually. Okay. I'm not going to release where you live. Um, but I don't know exactly where you live. That sounds so creepy. You've just mentioned in passing the area. That's what we need to say. So I got um, High Park. High blah, 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 blah. They're not a sponsor. Now they won't be. High Park Brewery. And it's sweating all over me because uh, it's very warm in my apartment. Um, and this one's called Under the Sakura. Ooh. I know. And it's a cherry blossom lager. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. It looks pretty. And like it looks really fun and really fruity. That yeah. looks beautiful. I've never had anything from High Park Brewery, which I'm ashamed to say. I so haven't you haven't either. I don't think so. We, I think. Sorry, High Park Brewery, okay, but we're really excited to try we're it. We're so excited. And listen, even if it's gross, we're going to say it's so good. Do you want to crack at the same time? Okay. okay. One, two, two three. three. Well, that was so good. I don't have any nails. So cheers, mm-hmm. Paloma. And I'm going to pour mine oh. in a glass. Oh, yeah. You know, this is the first time oh, I just yelled into the mic. I always have a glass and I'm like, let's just see what it's like out of the can. I don't know if it's any different. Ooh. I think, I mean, if you, okay. I used to work at the beer store. Yes. And um, every once in a while, what a treat. They would take us to um, like, I think it was Interstellar. No, some, I can't remember the name of like this big brewery that owns like Stella and Labatt and all of that. Oh. And they would have like a little like a little information session and they would get us all wasted. But they would also be like, this is how you pour a proper hoe garden. This is how Stella should be in oh. all the glasses. So, um, so you're it a pro. is apparently, I mean, a pro drinker. What a thing to <laughs> brag about. <laughs> um, but it was, it was cool to, they were very particular about how you pour it and that like um, all the, it, this is the ideal way Mm. to drink it because it releases all the stuff yeah that's, that's the end of my education <laughs> releases so like, all the stuff stuff what's fine by then they got you drunk it's their fault like you absolutely yeah, it like, was, yeah. Another you're like sure yeah yeah that's perfect that stuff is great so how much head should be on a beer 
uh, like about two fingers. So this is okay. a little low, but if I finish pouring it, boom, especially with draft. Mm. Just oh, like beauty. that, because it preserves the bubbles. Oh, and cheers. you just took the can. Well, cheers to I you, love too. It. I'm going to pretend there's two fingers in here, too. Oh, I'm like very relieved to say that this is really good. This is really tasty because mm. my husband really loves it. It's, it's truly been a year since I've had one of these. Wow. Well, and I was also thinking like, speak, speaking of a year ago, I was thinking of when the Raptors won and like, so I ran out into the streets of and we course. were at like, of course, at King and Spadina, uh, where my partner and I and some friends are watching. So we ran out and just everyone was already out there. And I think of now, I'm like, oh, how, yeah. how wild is it that that was a year ago where I was, I was like, strangers were hugging strangers. They were doing mm -hmm. little, those little things where you make a wedding like the archway, archway with and you run through it. Yeah, whatever that's called. And now, like, I, nobody even wants Everyone's to. Everyone's like, take oh hands. my God, so like, crossing please. the street. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. None of that. None of that. Um, okay. I was like doing some reading up on you a little bit. Cause oh, I was like, I need yeah. to know, I need to know my stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I need to come prepared. Um, and we actually have a lot of similarities that like made me feel really special. <laughs> Like, I was okay. like, oh my God. So, okay. I, and I did not, I was not born in Chicago, but I do, I want to go back. Okay. So you were born in Chicago. Yes. And then you moved to Florida when you were one? Is it when you were one? I was one years old. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So talk me through like Chicago all the way to Toronto. Like how, how did that, how did that come about? So what happened was we're missing a huge step here and a, and a traumatic one at, at that. So I moved from when I was one uh, from Chicago to Florida. Mm -hmm. So I lived in Sarasota, Florida until I was, oh, I think it was like seven or eight. Okay. I can't remember the year, the 80s. And then I moved from Sarasota, Florida to yeah. Sudbury, yeah. Ontario. When I heard that, I was like, this, what night and day, like night and day, even like Chicago, Florida, Sudbury. Like yeah. that's just, yeah. Like, what culture shock. Like? Yeah. Like, like, what do you call it? Like a climatized shock, like climate shock. I don't know if that, what you'd call it, but I was like such a little brown, brown girl. <laughs> and then I found out that I'm actually like a really green, <laughs> sallow girl because I'd never have had the same amount of sun in my skin oh. as I did when I lived there. Um, it was really traumatic. I feel like now that I look back on it, hopefully, so I'm knocking on wood, that was the worst year of my life. Grade three. <laughs> Grade, grade three. Oh, that's yeah, so, like, that's a rough age to have the worst year. Oh my life. God. I was at the peak bow wow stage <laughs> as we call it. Like we all go through a bit of an awkward stage. Yeah. F you if you didn't. Yeah. F you. I had braces um, and they were like, I don't know. I don't know if they were like Florida braces or is there something with them, but like now braces are really cute and cool, but these were yeah. like, 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 a weird dark metal color and I was pretty young for braces because a lot of people get them usually as like teens or pre-teens and then yeah. in high school but luckily for me that I got them early because I could get it over with but mm. that doesn't matter at the time and I was just like I have these big eyeballs and then my face was just small and I was just like <laughs> 
I wasn't like taking care of myself and like, oh, I have to do my hair and stuff. You're just like a kid. And You're I just grade put these, three. Like, yeah. yeah. You put this dumb headband on. <laughs> and my name was Paloma Nunez. And this is like in a northern Ontario town mm-hmm. in the 80s. And I, it was like an Italian neighborhood that we moved to. And it was a Catholic school that I went to. And now I'm baptized Catholic, but I'm mm-hmm. Jewish because my mother's Jewish. So it, I'd never done anything religious in any way. So I haven't really gone to synagogue. I was never going to Jewish day school, nor did I ever go to a Catholic church except for maybe a wedding. So really? to be wow. thrust into a new country where it's bilingual with French, especially in Sudbury, which is a pretty bilingual city, in an Italian Catholic neighborhood, I was the laughing stock oh. of grade three. But I mean, I made friends. I still made friends. I was always somehow able to make some friends, but I got like bullied that year. And I just didn't know the Lord's prayer. And like, you have to stand in front of the class once a year and do the rosary. (laughs) I don't know. Is that what you call it? You do the rosary. So you have to lead the class in prayer after lunch. And they're like, Paloma, it's your turn. And you know, when you like learn something phonetically. Yeah. So it's like our father who art in heaven, now let me and I blame. Like I, I was... (laughs) I was saying that because I don't actually know it because no one ever sat down to teach me. And then of course you just want to assimilate. So you just, like, I already know it. I should know it. Okay. I already know it. And you're like, don't like shame, shame, shame. Do not admit that you don't know it. And they all laughed at me and made fun of me because I didn't know it. It was, it was a tough year. How Christian of them really. It just, it really sounds like they're just channeling the love of God and and showing thy neighbor how to treat each other. My gosh. Why? Okay. So if, okay. So mom is Jewish Mm -hmm. and moved to Sudbury. Yeah. She married, uh, so my parents got divorced when I was four and that's Mm -hmm. when we were living in Florida. Um, and so she met a Canadian Mm. and they hit it off and he sailed in uh, Florida during the off season. So he used to work for the ministry of natural resources doing fire. Like he'd work on the planes that would do water bombing on forest fires. Cool. Yeah. So he was just like a mechanic doing that stuff, not just like a really cool mechanic. So that's why we moved there. And like, I think her perspective of what Florida was like when I was young was different than what I saw. Right. I was like friends and comfort and my dad. And she was like danger and overcrowded classrooms and garbage Mm. education. So we felt, everyone felt that it was best to move up to Sudbury Mm -hmm. and we did. And why, like why a Catholic, yeah, why a Catholic school? Because it was the one like around the corner. I see. Okay. Like geographically, like God was very close to you. So it was like, all right, we'll go. We'll go there. Come on over. And I I was was like, like, oh, I don't I'm your neighbor. You got no choice. Come here. (laughs) Accept me into your heart. I'm forcing myself in there. Um, How was it? I mean, I know you were young, but okay. So my parents also, my parents got divorced when I was uh, like three, I think three. Okay. Uh, so I lived with my mom. We did not, we moved around a lot, but we, I was always fairly close uh, geographically to my dad. But so when I, when, like, I wonder what was, do you remember what that was like? Like moving a country away from your dad, that seems far even now versus like when you're grade three. Yeah, I think that therapy is kind of like, I remember discussing this in therapy and being like, and so I'm like, I guess she was like, there's still a lot of pain there. So I think there's Mm. still a lot of pain there um, because it affected the relationship in that like, we're not as close as we might've been, right? Like I would spend, Mm -hmm. I think every other weekend, I can't remember it a lot. And I remember I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. Mm. Like I would get stomach aches. 
especially when I'd go visit. And now as an adult, I know what that was. But as a kid, I just felt like, why does my stomach hurt all of a sudden? And like getting a phobia of like puking. So it did, mm. did F me up for sure. I think all of those things are probably kind of normal for kids to go through when they're understanding and dealing with their family breaking up. I don't know if you had any, you were three. I, I, I don't know if yeah. you had any, um, for, well, like, for a lot of years, like I always was just like, no, cause I don't remember my parents ever together. I don't, I don't know if you, I have no memories of that. Like I, I, I don't, but, um, so I always thought like, oh no, it didn't affect me. Nothing, nothing. And it's only now where I, where like my friends are having kids where I think about it. I'm like, oh, I guess like, maybe it's unusual that I don't have any memories of them together. Like maybe I should, maybe. I have memories from before then, just not them together. So yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. And I definitely like, I had a big thing where, um, I could never show favoritism. Like I had a lot of anxiety about showing favoritism, like to the point where in school they would say, what's your favorite color. And I would like routinely ask my mom and my dad what their favorite colors were. And then I would say like red and green at school. And if they made me Aww. choose one, like I would cry. So I can't, or even like so, my yes, favorite numbers. You had things yeah. From it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or when I was a kid, I just thought like, no, I don't, I hate, even now when people say, what's your favorite movie? I like get anxiety. I hate picking one thing. I feel like it's unfair mm. to all the other movies, which is like therapy. That's fine. And that's interesting because that's just, that's how you coped with needing to balance. Mm -hmm. So it still affects who you are. Cause you were just like, I can't choose one over the other. I won't. What a, what a thing to put on a kid. Right. <laughs> and it's not like they're bad for it. It's just mm -hmm. the results of what happens. Yeah. Like there's just a consequence and totally. you can't say if it's good or bad, but that's, and that's how you managed it. And it's so sweet that you were like, <laughs> Yeah. Even Steven and not like, I'm going to play my dad off my mom and get like, <laughs> no. you know, oh, I was kinds like, of options. no. And you know what? And I never, like, I never really, I didn't really feel it from my parents. Like I, neither of them said you choose who to live with or you, who you're going to like, they made, you know, the plans for Christmas and things like they made those arrangements. I just knew I have to make them both feel like 50% parents. Like I can't make them feel like either one is more of a parent than the other. And that's my job. Like, I just thought that's my job as a kid is I have to make sure my dad feels like the dad and my mom feels like the mom. And I didn't realize that till I was older. And I thought it was me being indecisive about like, what's my favorite no. book? But I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to make sure all the books feel valued, which is like, I'm just, I'm personifying objects. I, but. but I think that's like such a sign of what kind of person you are. You're caring Aww. and you're empathetic. Truly that, I mean, I'm not the therapist or anything, but that's just like what I'll take from that being like, oh, and that you, you take it on yourself to make sure other people feel good. That's like the second time like, I am clipping audio from this and I'm putting it on like my morning. I don't have morning, morning affirmations. Yeah. These are good. These are my morning mantras with Paloma. Like we like, I mean, that's just a company right there. That's a company. I don't know what the word would be. Um, okay. So you're going to Catholic school. Mm -hmm. You don't know any of the prayers. I, I guess I should preface my dad married a very religious woman. So my stepmom was very religious and she, I had three stepsisters. Like Catholic. So she, so I was baptized as Catholic, um, from my dad's Portuguese. So I think it was just like the thing that everyone did that I was, so Mexico, uh, Mexican dad side. Yeah. All, and they, okay, yeah. And my mom was like, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I can say that, but yeah, just the, every, all of those are baptized. I, I also did not have a communion, but I went to all my cousins communions and I was like, okay. So, but she was actually my stepmom and my dad, we ended up going to a church that was Pentecostal. So it was like a little more liberal. 
a lot more liberal, a lot more liberal. Okay. Like there's a guitar and drums on the stage and there's a stage. It's called a stage at church. So I think it's more liberal than Catholic. Okay. Um, but still like, yeah, just, I would, I always felt like a fraud in church. I was like, do they know that I only do this when I'm at my dad's or like, I, and all my stepsisters were like blonde, blue eyes. Like they, my stepsister was like going to school at the church. And then I was the one where I would, you know, like, hi. So I just, I guess I, I wonder like, what was it like after you left your Catholic school and you went into public school, right? Mm -hmm, Afterwards, mm -hmm. what was it like? I feel like once you get out of those situations, you have such better perspective of them, of like what they actually were. What, yeah, what, like, what changed about how you saw yourself once you got out of Catholic school and you got into public school? Well, I think I remember, and my mom's told me this mm. since, that when I started going to Catholic school, I got very um, concerned about what sins were because mm. I, I'm not sure if you ever went or if you know about it, but like everything's a sin and everything was like march, marked as like sin, sin, sin. Is it sin? And I like, they were like, don't put your rosary around your neck. That's a sin. Because it looks like a necklace, but it's not. And you're not well, supposed to wear it around your neck. According to- Where do you wear it? What do you- Oh my God, maybe it you don't just, wear I it. I think you just hang it and you hold it. Or it's in your pocket or you oh, hold it. I thought you were going to say, I think you just hang it on your mirror in your car. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so maybe that's why maybe, yeah. that's it is. Because people don't- I don't often see them wearing it around their neck. Mm. Um and I was like, is it a sin to fart? Like my mom said, I literally asked her that. Is it a sin to get mad? So what she noticed in me, mm. and I'm not always the best at understanding me from the outside. So I, I'm telling you what others have told me so I can, yeah. that's what I understand. Uh, <laughs> that I was just so, so worried and upset. And also because I was bullied, it was just like a unhappy year that I, she would drive me to school and it was literally around the corner. Because oh. like one of these kids would constantly like pick on me. And I have to say, and I want to just like shout out to the principal when we would go in because like it got, it was like harassing me. Like mm -hmm. every day in school, I was like, oh my God, here he is. He's sitting with me and he would bug me. And we went to the principal and he was like, well, I think he just has a crush on you. Oh. And I was like, well, he really likes you. And I'm like, well, if he likes me, this is so unfun for me. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good for me. So I don't care. And that was, that was how it was left. It was like, well, he, he just has a crush on you. So that, like deal oh. with it. Friggin' eight year olds. This guy is likes you. And that's what, that's what like is. That's what like affection or attention from men is. Yeah. And sick. that you're supposed to like it or like, oh, and it's a good thing. Yeah. That, that. Oh, like I'm supposed to just like walk away feeling like, oh, <laughs> Okay. Like, I guess I'm supposed to feel flattered that I feel unsafe. Like, yes. okay, great. I I remember in grade five, there was this one guy, Curtis. I almost said his last name. I don't know what he's doing now, but he was a kid. <laughs> so it's fine. But his first name was Curtis with a K. And he <gasps> would chase me around at recess and try and grab my ass. And I went to the teacher and said, he won't. I was running around, people would laugh. And I went to the teacher and they're like, oh, he likes you. I was like, this isn't like, Okay, so what? Where do I go? So I'm his to play with, however they choose. Yeah, because like, it's their affection, and that's I guess rewarded. Yeah, like very sad, very very. Draw, sad. Oh my gosh! And then you know, when I was in grade three, I had a huge crush on this boy, Michael Cameron, and uh, I went to Fern Avenue Public School over in Ronsey's, and oh, yeah. Yeah, and they have it's like a hundred year old school. They have like very heavy metal chairs. 
and yeah. I really liked him and I didn't, I didn't know how to express it. And I knew, oh, okay, well, that's what you do when you like someone. So I was like, sit down, Michael. And I got him his chair. And when he sat down, I pulled it out and he hit his head on the metal chair. And then <gasps> I went to my teacher and I cried because he had to go to the hospital. And I cried. And I was like, I, I just like him. That's what I thought I would like. It is so messed up. Also, I have so much shame about that. But like, this is messed up. Why don't we but just- But that's what you got taught. That's what, it's like, this is what you do when you like somebody, right? You don't go over and say, can I help you with that? You don't say, hey, do you need a pen? You don't- no, like, you torture them you in torture them you yeah. do like dangerous pranks and you make them feel uncomfortable or unsafe and then somehow oh yeah anyway that's so messed up oh Ugh. i'm so sorry that's so awful for you because you're just trying when that poor kid was just like i'm just living my life <laughs> was he okay he was okay he did like i guess yes i should also wrap like no stitches like he was totally fine i'm saying hospital because that's my memory but maybe he could have literally gotten up or, yeah, or like sat with his friend in the class like my memory is that he went to the hospital and almost died but that's like my grade three right. memory you know but, and and, uh, and and now you're together, right? It works. And now uh, we've been dating for uh, 30 years and um, <laughs> I'm with child. I'm with child drinking my beer. Um, yes, I am. I'm married to Michael Cameron. Uh, but that's, yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry for you too, that you had to go through that. It's like, it just sounds like all these messages of like, okay, Paloma, you're bad. You're bad. You're bad. Like you're bad in a sinful way. You're bad because you're not accepted. And then also when you're feeling unsafe, like you deserve it. And like- my god yeah. that sounds like just a I didn't even ever put it that way of like just feeling bad mm. so then I went to a public school and mm -hmm. I just like made friends and just I just feel like I was like like I can be me and everyone was nicer and it was mm. just like it's also the people right like I wasn't mm -hmm. getting bullied I was out of the a very intense Italian neighborhood and not that there's anything wrong with Italian mm -hmm. people one of my best friends is it's just I think the culturally me getting plopped in there at the time and at that age, it just wasn't a great mix. Mm -hmm. I have seen that bully since. And when we were in high school, we used to go to these weird dances and he was like, Paloma, you want to dance? And I was like, Ugh. and then his friend was like, how do you know? He's like, oh my God, I punched her. He did punch me once. I did tell him that I hoped his grandparents died, but that's because he harassed me. Um, and then he punched me for it. And the guy was like, you punched a girl? And he was like, his friend was so disgusted and wrote him off and was really upset. So I feel in some way vindicated, right? Like yeah. how it's like later on you meet up and you're like, get out of here. No yeah. Way. No, you did, can't you marry, did you marry, did you marry his friend who was like, I know, screw right? you dude. And now you're with him. <laughs> and now I'm with that hero. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is it weird that part of me is like, when people are like, you punched a girl, like I want to get mad at them too. I'm like, first of yeah, all, like, First no, of all, he punched a human being like that's what's not OK here. Yes. And like, oh, but then then sometimes all the all the layers, you're like, OK, sure, you're doing the best you can. You did better than the guy who punched me. So like, yeah. fine. <laughs> stood God. up for me in some way and at yeah. least shamed him for being, well, an asshole, an asshole, an yeah. asshole. Maybe he'll listen to this. Anybody. Who knows? I, I actually have no so. idea if he listens. He's tried to add me on Facebook and I'm like, I don't think so. Like, what's the and I really don't care anymore. Yeah. But I hope he's learned to flirt better. Do you know what I mean? That's all I can hope <laughs> for in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I hope we've all learned to flirt. Like, I hope I've learned to flirt better. I haven't pulled a chair out from my partner. I just pull them out and, well, I have pulled them out for him, but then I, like, I but let you him, leave it when let him he sit sits down. on the That's chair. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Progress. <laughs> I'm such a good flirter now. I just like, I let them sit down. So nice. No, I don't know how to flirt. Oh my God. 
I try and flirt with my partner and I'm like, is it flirting still? Can you still flirt with your partner if you've been with them? Like, do you still consider you like flirting? With mm, no. Yeah, I'm like- Just more like, uh, we're gonna have sex later, hey. okay? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't flirting even know. It feels like there's a game with stakes. Mm. Like, ooh, I have to like put myself out there and you could reject me. Yes. But like yes. when you've made their children, <laughs> you're like they are owned by you just kidding but <laughs> I, yeah well, no it's i don't feel it's as flirty it's still fun though we can have a really great time yeah yeah but, not but yeah flirting feels like the wrong verb to use yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. just like oh i just make you feel good about yourself and you make me feel good make me feel wanted do i make you feel wanted that's fine you just do, do that. you flirt well you I, said you try i try i just try and be like i just i just try and be like do you like me but here's the problem. I just can't. I'm too transparent with him. No, because I'll do something. And then like, if he like, here's the thing. My biggest thing is like, I always want to make him laugh. Like that to me is like, oh my God, I did it. And so when he laughs at a joke, I, then I like tell it again. Like I kill it. I go too far. I just keep in. And then he's like, babe, you killed it. And then I ruin the moment. So no, I need to learn okay. to stop. Yeah, I love so no, it. I can't flirt. With him. I've ruined it. I don't know how I got him, but I'm just going to keep him forever. Um, okay. So you are a fucking genius of a performer, Paloma, like holy, oh, no. I mean, and you don't even need me to tell you this, but I just, I'm going to anyway, because I have to tell you. So, um, one of the, one of the, uh, performances you did, I don't even know if this is like a really, really significant one in your heart, but in Working Moms, when you played the oh, nurse in the mm -hmm. finale of season one, I, like, I'm going to get chills. I rewatched <gasps> that scene. I rewatched it again today because I was just like, oh, I'm talking to Paloma tonight. I'm going to rewatch that scene. You play that scene so fucking flawlessly. It is like, I swear to God, it's like watching, like, I don't know, like, a, I've never seen a ballet, but I feel like what I imagine a ballet, you know, when you're like, how are they doing this? Like Cirque du Soleil. It was amazing. Oh God. Um, Seriously. I'm to remember the, was it the one where she was in the crib with her baby yes, and I was like, yes. get out. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I should give some context to even like viewers, listeners, whatever. Yes. Like you, you play a nurse and you're with, um, the lead, uh, Catherine, oh, that's her real name. Catherine Reitman. Yeah. Catherine Reitman. Oh gosh. What's her um, name in the show? Ooh, I can't remember, oh but my yes. God. And I just watched it today. Anyway, so she comes in and she basically chose, she was in a position where she had to choose like career over her, her son. And she chose her son and rushed to the hospital. And it's just a scene where she's feeling like a really shit mother. She, you're, you're going to administer a shot to the baby and she can't one, yeah. get this bandaid open. She's like dropping it. She's trying to blow in it. And then you're like, please don't blow in the, like you need a new bandaid. And basically she's just feeling like a shit mother and you play such a beautiful balance of reinforcing like, yeah, I think you're a shit mother, but also, <laughs> but you're not, but you're doing it so perfectly. Like you're also playing the professional like nurse side and also playing the side that like as Paloma, you know, the scene isn't about you, but you have to add enough. Oh my God. I was like, this isn't, this is mathematical genius. It re that oh, scene wow. was gorgeous. And I just, you know what? Catherine Reitman directed that episode, I believe. Mm. Yes. And she was a very gracious, generous director. Um, and some of that, a lot of it was improvised. So what I find my best stuff can come from is mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, give me your lines. I understand like you have to do scripted stuff, but like that you can play in those moments. Mm -hmm. So she really, 
she really would like check in with me to be like, and kind of like not antagonize, but she was like, I'll, I'll give offers. And if I'm going to speak improv speak and you can react and play and you Mm. never know, I find, I still don't quite know when you can improvise on a set versus when they really just want you to stick with what they've written. Like some people can be very, very precious, very specific about what they want, but she was just giving me all this like outside of exactly what it said in the script. So I just remember like, don't blow on that. Cause I don't think that that was in the script. And then she, so then we found these extra like little moments of like, she dropped the bandaid or something like, don't pick it up. Like, (laughs) yes, those bandaid, like the, the bandaid beats. Oh my God. They were so good. The whole thing. Like it was just so beautiful. It was like a tiny little short film. And I, I genuinely watched it being like, holy fuck you. I feel like you were, you juggled like 17 balls and you didn't drop any, like you somehow just managed to do all of it. And I, I honestly, I felt silly. Cause I'm like, maybe to her, it was just like one scene she went in and it was easy and she left. But to me, I was like, that is you masterfully like balanced all of that. And it honestly, was so good. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No one ever said that. And uh, I can't say I just like went in and did it because you're always a bit nervous. And usually what actors, a lot of Canadian actors get are things like you get to jump in on this show for one day. Mm -hmm. And so you're always a guest. So you don't, you're not at home where you can play and be what you want to be. So it is a, it's an interesting thing to be like, can I play here? But it it was Catherine, I have to say, shout out to her to Mm. making me feel like I can bring what I need to bring or have Mm -hmm. fun and play. So she Mm -hmm. was, she was great. The writing was great. So yeah. And she told me all about the symbolism of the bear stuff. So that's why my nurse had those. Could you see maybe in the next, there's, I was doing two scenes. There's Mm -hmm. like a a final scene. I don't know. Cause I think I had to wear this like other gown over it, but there's like bears on my nurse costume. (sighs) And they made it specifically for me because they wanted it to resemble the bear in the, the beginning. Bear that, the bear, yes, that she screams at in the forest. Sorry, my cat wants to oh. Um, oh, that's me too. And you know okay, what? Good. Every t- Any time you wipe your sweat, I'm like, oh, thank God. Look at this. Like, <laughs> I grabbed a little scrunchie. Like, what am I doing? But it's the only thing I have that's like fabric. I am, it's because I have to turn my air conditioner off when I'm in here. And it's just really hot today. Yeah. And it's like, it was like raining. So, but sometimes that makes it really, really still. Anyways, yes. But like humid for saying that because oh, I, I never know how it is. You know what I mean? Well, like, I that was listen, okay. if I was a part of something where I was nominating people, I would be like, that is a not, you were nominating you in that scene. It was so good. And the scene after where you come back in and then she's basically just like, fuck you. I'm laying in the crib with my kid. I don't care if it's against protocol. Like I'm doing it. And just again, and you played the losing of that moment. Oh, it's just, it was so good. Can that I nurse tried come to back? like want to be like, I'm fucking impressed by you, girl. But now when I watch it, I'm like, ah, you could have done it bigger. So, hey. What? Okay. Well, here, you know, no. Okay. Uh, like it played, <laughs> I mean, but this, this is what's interesting is that like from outside, somebody can be like, holy fuck, that was a masterclass in how to, how to play that. And then you can be like, oh man, I should have done something else there. Like it's. But don't we always watch each ourselves, especially with such a critical eye? Like, yeah. have you ever watched yourself and been like, Nailed it. I'm out. No, never, never, never. never. And it's like, and now there's many more self tapes than in-person auditions. And so that, I don't know. I'm like, I just need to watch myself until I have that kind of distance, but I don't know when that will ever come. Cause no, I just, I'm always looking for something. And disadvantages for sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. Like, so 
having that experience early on or multiple experiences where you're sort of like taken out of your current, what the world is to like your little kid mind and then plopped into a new world and being like, okay, figure out those rules. Okay. You figured them out. Take you out. Here you go. Figure out those rules. I'm curious if there's any overlap or, or, um, similar experience in like, now that you're an actor, that is your job. Like you're taken out of, you're going to go do two days in this world of working moms. Okay. We're going to take you out. We're going to plop you over here. Okay. We're going to take you out. We're going to plop you into spotlight. Go do this. You know, I wonder if there's like how similar those experiences are of like, oh my God. Okay. Who's going to like me? Who am I going to be friends with? What are the rules? Yeah, I do. That is an interesting thing. I've always been I don't like routine. I don't like Mm. when every day looks the same from now until the end. So like I would get very restless in school because it was that way. It felt like for an eternity uh, when I was in university, the same thing, even though I knew there was an end date. So I've always been kind of like, and I like the, maybe it doesn't feel like time is so long or I'm not aging as fast or something because I don't know. Every week is always different. Yeah. Some auditions, there's this, and that is maybe being a Canadian actor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's why you're like, now you go here. Now you go here. Yeah, you're like, not... where's just the regular, the show that I'm just on for seven years. Yeah. I would love that. Like, <laughs> and that's the thing. I would love that. Cause I feel like I would get so comfortable mm-hmm. on set that I would play and find new things, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't, maybe I don't need seven years, but maybe I, maybe I got to write my own show. I don't know. I still yeah. haven't done that. I still haven't done that. Well, what about with Baroness? Because you were writing and acting, like, did that feel a little bit more like, okay, I've been in this school for a few years. Like I know what they, what everything's yes. about. That one was because, yeah. um, I'm like close with a lot of those ladies. Mm. I got to write with them. I've known Aurora for, I feel like the longest. Jen is my sister-in-law. Um, oh, is she really? Yeah, John Whalen, Kevin Whalen. I Whelan. just thought that was a coincidence. Like, I just thought they both had the same last name. Oh, look at that. Yeah. That's nice. I know. So, um, very, very comfortable. And they were always like, because they had different directors a lot. Mm. They, Meredith McNeil, I'd have to say, would be the one who would be like, always going off script, always <laughs> running. And like, she's so fun and like kinetic that you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to play too. And she, so it was always that it was like mm. her being in a scene with her and especially at the beginning and just being like, Oh, we, we can play or being on a scene with like Aurora and being like, Oh, I know you so well. Like we've been friends and improvisers. You taught me for so long that it also is a new level of comfortability. And I also feel that way with like Carolyn and Jen, like they're, they're just like wild in the eyes with like play because they love, love what they do, or at least it seems that way. Mm -hmm. So you're on that set and that one felt like home. No matter when I'd come in, because you'd get like one day, one day, one day, one day here and there, because you're just doing a scene or a sketch always letting you find your own little moments or beats or improvise things. No one was ever like, stop. Wow. Everyone was just like, play, play, have fun, all these moments. So it was like, for a comedian, it was like Mm -hmm. a comedian's dream, like an improvising comedian's dream. So like, (gasps) it's amazing. Like what, what can happen if you just give people permission to play? If you're like, no, no, for real, you can just play and we're not going to like judge you or tell you it's shit. Like we'll, we'll help, we'll direct you on that like fun train, but just go with it. It makes such a difference. Like, oh yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, that sounds so great. And the directors are always game. I was like, do, do you want me to do that one again? They're like, sure, man. That was great. That was funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. And I was like, really? Okay. Really? <laughs> 
This episode is sponsored by High Park Brewery here in Toronto, Canada. Now, I know earlier in the episode when I mispronounced their name, I joke that I probably just cut myself out of any sponsorship opportunities with them. But since recording, we've connected and I am so thrilled to have them on as a sponsor this week. If you're in the Toronto area, the High Park Brewery is a must visit and they have great COVID precautions to make you feel safe and relaxed while sipping your brew. Not quite ready to leave your house yet and drink in public? I completely understand, trust me. But don't worry, because High Park Brewery offers delivery, what? So you can stay in your PJs, you don't even have to wash your hair, and you can get your beer delivered right to your door. And for those of you who leave things to the last minute, I'm guilty of that, (laughs) they offer same day delivery too. And it gets better. Not only do they have fabulous beer, offer delivery, and are being responsible about COVID, but they're also committed to giving back, which makes me feel even better about purchasing from them. A dollar from every bottle sold of their specially crafted Make It Matter German Kolsch is donated to a handful of charities that support Black and Indigenous peoples here in Canada, including Black Lives Matter Canada and the Native Women's Resource Centre of Toronto. I, of course, recommend their Under the Sakura Cherry Blossom Lager, which I drank in this episode and fell in love with. But also make sure you always throw in at least one of their Make It Matter special brews. It's good for your taste buds and for your heart. Do you ever feel, um, is there any pressure for you going on to shows where you're going to improvise? Like, I feel like, I feel like once, okay, so when I first, first started improv, I had a hundred percent fun. So I was like, fuck it. And like, nobody, nobody, I don't know anybody. I don't know what I'm doing. And that not knowing what I'm doing gives me the permission to do whatever the fuck I want. And if I fuck uh-huh. up, I'm new, who cares? Right. And as soon as I remember, like, as soon as I started, um, not having to ask for stage time anymore. And people were saying like, do you want to play the show? Like just my friends or whoever. Then I felt like, oh, this is now a performance. It's not play. And I felt like, oh, I have to be good. It's for other people. I'm just wondering, like, if I'm booking Paloma on my show, I'm thinking like, oh, she's such a fucking awesome improviser. Is there pressure in that when you're, when you're coming into a set? I feel like a lot of, everyone has to go through this heady game that you just described. Mm. And it, ma- it just depends on like when it happens for you. Cause a lot of us, like you described, we're like found this thing and they just love it. And it's like, they've been freed. And then there's like wild, reckless abandon. And then it starts to get where there's more notes and we're trying to like find things and like, you know, refine your comedic skills or your writing skills. And then you can get up in your head. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's natural. And that's just how and when it happened for you because of the stakes that you put on what this show is. Mm -hmm. So I have to say over my like 15 years of performing, I've gone through so many like ups and downs. So many ups and downs of like, just like personally how I feel. I don't know. I wasn't objective enough to be like, no, you were great. You just felt like shit. Yeah. Um, But I feel like when you don't feel great, you're probably not that great because- Everyone wants to watch you like have fun and be wild and Mm -hmm. like be inspired and watch you be inspired in the moment. Like that's what's so magical about it. And it's hard when you're like, be funny, Amanda, Paloma, be smart. Oh, that you've already played that kind of a character. And now you're playing that other kind of character again. And everyone thinks you just play that all the time. So yes. Well, and too, sometimes that game happens. Yeah. Okay. It's actually so nice that you say that because I have for like probably like two years or so, I've just been thinking like, oh, I guess I hate improv now. Like, I guess we're divorced. I like, and really sad about it. Cause I had so much love for it. And I, it's actually like, um, it, 
I feel sort of a sense of relief you saying that of like people go through like maybe I don't hate improv maybe I'm just in one of those heady spaces for a while you know that would be great good luck ever being free of it not yeah. like like <laughs> yeah. you'll never have times when you're not yeah but like it can come back yeah it might come back for a show it mm-hmm. might just come back like who knows why but that and maybe that's what makes it a beautiful art form is that mm. you can never truly master it you can never truly be i mean we might see other people and be like they're masters mm-hmm. but but it's still you can still have a shit night no matter how good you are you can mm-hmm. still not bring it you can still just not not have it mm-hmm. that night and that's not because you're bad i think it's just cuz yeah man it's it's a fleeting art form and it's it is a, a moment to moment kind of thing just like great yeah. stand ups can bomb and they know what they're going to say it's yeah. like an energy <laughs> thing right yeah that's so true yeah, yeah. well so, and i yeah i think too like at times even if even if you feel like shit and everyone's like oh you mastered that part of me's like what's the point like if even if i'm doing amazing but i'm not loving it I might as well go get a job at RBC because I'm hating what I'm doing. Like it doesn't, yeah. and I'm saying, I shouldn't say RBC. I'm like, okay, well, I'm never getting one of those commercials. But like but those, you know what those I mean? jobs, those like. Like those a job jobs. where I am not thinking I will feel fulfilled, uh, then I might as well go do that if I'm not enjoying it. Like I don't think people should have to unnecessarily suffer for their art, for other people. Like you right. should be enjoying it, you know? Yeah. But, and but, then maybe it's like, those are growing pains and maybe you come out mm-hmm. of it and you're like, even more fun and free. <laughs> and there's just different things um, that you you find that you want to work on or focus on depending on whatever is going on in your life. So sometimes yeah. it's like, I just really want to focus on character. You know what? I really just want to focus on supporting the other people and being somebody who's like good at like being thrown a, like a curveball and like figuring out how to go with it, which mm. is a skill I think I'm still trying to figure out. Because oh, I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll drive the bus. But now like sometimes just having someone to lob the ball at me and being like, what do you got? What do you got? You know? Mm, yes. So that's, yeah. that's where I'm like, Paloma, you aren't great at that. That's, that, that's the, the inner voice in my head. So, or like, I think it's kind of, I mean, maybe I'm just like spinning this too rosy, but it's kind of nice to think like, oh, after 15 years, there's still things that you can look forward to conquering. And like things that can still feel new and exciting rather than, I mean, I guess it's exactly what you're saying. It's a fleeting art form. Like it never feels like you've conquered it or it never, it always feels like you can learn more and you can do more and you can, yeah. And totally who you are. Like, I think sometimes I've thought, you know, I think it's actually just that there's a bunch of stuff uh, that I need to work on myself. That sounds so blah, 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 but. No, but about like your own personal life. You yeah. Mean? Yeah. Because improv is so much about like, you have everything that you need right with you and like just connect with the other person. So if I'm feeling like, oh, I'm not good enough to connect with people or like I'm imposter, if I'm feeling those things about myself in my everyday life, then improv is not going to feel freeing. It's going to feel exposing. Like it's not, it's not going to yeah. feel, you know, so. That's exactly what that so. can be, right? So if you've had a string of auditions and no callbacks or mm-hmm. no bookings and you're just like, maybe I'm not good anymore. And then you go and do a show and you're kind of carrying that self-doubt. It is you the creator every Mm. single time as opposed to like oh get lost in someone else's words in a new world that i can make that i can throw myself into exactly versus i have to make that world but i don't like me right now yeah i'm not feeling great about me so the world i set up is going to be kind of like a bit of a house of cards right yeah absolutely i couldn't that is exactly it that's exactly it and this zoom like zoom improv is a whole new thing oh like okay i haven't done zoom improv have you I've oh, done yep. some. Yeah, I was like, say, yes, you have. 
corporate shows and like hookup and like mm-hmm. I, I did one for uh, the making box in Guelph um but obviously on zoom and um those it was a that was also a learning curve but mm-hmm. being like ah Paloma remember it's you have to be having a good time yeah and it was really just one day that you're not thinking about it and you're already like I already know these are hard and I don't <laughs> get the last that I'm used to when I'm performing like it's not this cyclical thing like it is on a stage so who fucking cares yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to run and find something in the other room, then come back and describe it. And then I just like got lost in like how stupid and silly it was yeah. and therefore got better. So it's like, yeah. the less you care, the better you can be because you just get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Not easy to, it's easy to say, not easy to do. That was also just beautifully said. That was great. Well, that was another snippet. That's another mantra. Mantra mornings with Paloma. I'm loving it. Um, okay. There is something that I heard about you years ago. Oh, what is She's just been like looking her, just licking her tum-tum. Her name's Cherry. Hi, Cherry. Oh, Cherry. I'm drinking Cherry Blossom Lager. Oh my gosh. How on brand for Cherry to come into the, I was going to say into the scene. Yeah, the she knows. She's a cranky oh. cat. She's also notorious in this community for people who've had to babysit my kids oh, really? or cats in. <laughs> oh, hi, Cherry. Oh my gosh. We'll have to get Cherry to sign a waiver that she's okay that we're releasing her image, you know? I'm repping her. It's yeah. Oh, her. Okay. Absolutely. I'll make sure I s- I'll submit over her contra- contract for her. <laughs> um, okay. I heard something about you years ago and I thought it was so badass and I never had the guts to ask you about it. So I'm going to ask you now. Um, okay. I'm so I'm going to drink beer to prepare for this. Okay. Drink beer. And it's also not a bad thing. I'm okay. really bad. I preface my, I need to say the question and then talk about it and not preface things. Cause I feel like it's, it's, uh, it's anxiety provoking for people. This is okay. Building, it's building, it's building the suspense. I'm really good at suspense. We'll see if it pays off. So, okay. <laughs> so you were, um, a part of, you were on second city main stage doing a show. Uh, everything is great again. And yeah. okay. So I heard that after that show that you did that, that, and for viewers and listeners, the performers also like write and create the whole show. Um, and it's incredible and you should totally watch it when it's back on again. I don't know if it is. Or, yeah, um, yeah. When, okay, TBA. Um, TBD, TBA, whatever. To be announced. To, to be, be announced, to be determined. They're the same. Okay, great. Okay, so, and then I heard that they off, they asked you to come back for a second one afterwards and that you decided to decline. And is, is, first I should say, is that true that I'm saying that? Yes, they offered me the next show. The next show. And I don't know, I had like a freak out and I, I said yes. And then I freaked out and then I said, no, I'm so cute. Okay. So first of all, I just thought like, who says no to, okay. Because in Toronto, that is, I mean, I feel like even for people who don't even want to do that, somehow it's still a goal of theirs, like, because it is sort of, so I thought it was so fucking awesome that you were like, actually what I want is to not do a second one that doesn't take away from the first one. And so I'm not going to do it because I think it would have been so much easier maybe to say yes. Okay. So I would, I would just love to know, yeah, what was the freak out about or what made you decide to not go again? It's a very hard job. Mm. It's an incredibly rewarding job. It 
I, mm, how, I don't know how to say, or really, I don't even know if I understand fully why. Mm. Um, like I got to do a show with like one of my favorite people in the world and Pornell, mm. uh, people who are brilliant, like, like Brandon Hackett, silly, goofy dudes like Evan Highland. It was, mm. it was a lot of fun. Um, I think like I kept getting sick. I'm trying to remember what it was like. And then like the summer came and I'm a, like a little sunshine girl. I remember the little brown mm-hmm. Florida girl who's always been chasing <laughs> a tan that I have. Um, I think I was just, I'm, I, I was really happy with the stuff that I got in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, this one time I was really fortunate that the scenes that I really loved that I, I cared about, except for one about fart feminism. <sighs> One day. That'll be in the show that you make. We'll put you'll put that in the show you make. <laughs> but it was really just a goofy scene with lots of fart uh, sounds that Lee Cohen got to make, which was a hoot. Um, but I, I just was really happy with that show, and um, maybe I was scared that I couldn't make more. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I wanted to have another kid, and my mm-hmm. kid was three, I guess, when I did that. So I um, decided that I would. I think enjoy my summer and mm-hmm. oops, I got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was, I don't know. I just, I felt like it was time and I was really excited to do like get back into film and TV. Cause like mm-hmm. waiting for that job to finally come my way, I got it much older than a lot of people got. Mm. And I found it sometimes like a little like humiliating that it took so long to get. Um, and like I'd done Torco before and just sometimes how things roll out at that company can be demoralizing or hard mm. or frustrating. So I really felt good about the show that I got to write and I got to talk about being Mexican and what it's like as a, this was, we wrote the first show since Trump was elected. Um, wow. Oh, and Anne yeah. played, played Trump in a scene, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, now I remember it. Fake now boobs. I can picture oh it. I'm so Fake. glad that you're wiping because I'm gonna do it too. Oh, yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have acknowledged it for the audio, but I'm not ashamed. It's, it's I wish sweaty. I had more of an answer. I feel like that was such a lame answer. I just, I just really happy with what I did, and yeah, and I wanted my summer. Mm-hmm. And you know what they're doing now a lot more is they're being like these are six month contracts, and it's not. And trying to maybe erase the stigma of like, once you get main stage, you, you lock yourself in for four to five shows, mm. two years minimum and write, 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 write. Um, and I think that's really challenging because like you need a life to inspire when you create mm. and you can't just write about living in the green room and being annoyed with your cast members sometimes, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, that's it's not as relatable way. for general audiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I was the first mom in Toronto on main stage, still wow. believe that I am the only mother that's been on main stage, um, in Toronto. This is Toronto, of course. So I got to like write content that I felt like they were like, absolutely. That's going to be in because it had that like a genuine place that it came from. So there was just some like wonderful, fun things that I got to do and, and write about that. I was like, that was so fun. I don't know if I can top it. Mm-hmm. And if I can't top it, I don't want to do it again. <laughs> uh, I also just, I, I like, I don't know. I really respect that despite the fact that you're not, that maybe at the time or even now, like you're not able to articulate exactly why that your gut feeling was enough of a reason to do that for yourself. I think that's really amazing because I think it's easy to be like, well, if I can't articulate it or if I can't explain it, then it's not good enough. Then I won't do it. But yeah. it was like, no, it's a feeling and that's good enough. Like, I just, I want my summer. 
I want to have another kid. I don't know if I want to do it again. The first time was great. Like, I actually think that's a fucking awesome answer. And I mean, I feel even more fortunate. They asked me again, but I was pregnant and they didn't know that. But they asked me again after that one show that mm. ran. They asked me again to do the next one, but I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. And when the show opens, I will be way too pregnant. <laughs> um, but then I felt even better because I got to do She the People. And yes. truly, truly, that was one of the best jobs I've ever had still. Uh, it's oh, so, so good. Incredible. I actually, where is it? Oh. I have my little be the people chapstick. I think that's from the Chicago show. Maybe it's from the Toronto show. I don't the even Toronto remember. The Toronto one had the the chapsticks at the door. They did. Oh, you know, you know what? I went with um Sherry Gotta. We saw the one in Chicago and and we okay, and we got so excited. We literally went to the bathroom and texted Carly and was like, that was so like dying that it was so cool. And then finding out that it was coming to Toronto and the cast that it was, I was like, yeah. Oh, that's so great. And And they asked me, they were like, you just had a baby, but so you probably don't want to do it. But I was like, I went in. (laughs) You have your second baby and you're like, I miss working. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what it was? Yeah. What, what made you want to, I mean, and I also like, I know that they're very different shows, like typically for a a regular, like main stage review, you're writing all of it. Whereas she, the people, I know you, you guys also like the Toronto cast also wrote a bunch, but parts of it were already made, right? No, we wrote none of it. Oh, you wrote none of it. We wrote none of it, but the scenes that made the show, some of them had been written. Like, I think mostly Anne's scenes, like, um, take it off. Yes. And for some reason, I'm blanking on the other ones. Uh, but Anne has, her scenes were in there that, um, oh, yeah, the, says you, the one with the teacher and the student. Oh, yes, because that was from uh, a previous about, show yeah. of hers, right? That yes. was from Come What Mayhem, yes. Come what Mayhem, so both right. of those were, um, so, um, and I got to do that show because I filled in when Becky left. So I mm. took her track. So I, I, I was blessed to, to get to do that show as well. Oh. What a fun show. Um, just like to finish it out as you write the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some of it was Toronto original, but mm-hmm. we didn't get to write it. I think it was a money time thing, which mm. I still want to, I still would love, I would write for that. Like I yeah. would, I would buckle down to do more of that, but you yeah. know. If COVID. it was that same crew and they were like, okay, you're all going to write, you're going to write an original show now, you guys together. Oh, that would be so cool. A thousand percent. I would do yeah. it. I would, oh my I, God. I, yeah. That would be amazing. That would be so amazing. Um, okay. I also want to ask you about, so, uh, you were in the movie spotlight. No <laughs> big deal. Do you, mm-hmm. do you get like, do people ask you about spotlight all the time? Like, are it you annoyed? It is brought up a lot. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. not annoyed about it. It was a really big, <laughs> it was a really nice treat. Um, like, yeah. What was it like? Okay. I'm curious. What was it like finding out that you won a SAG award? What was that like? I didn't know. My friend Stephanie Drummond, who was also a um, Toronto comedian and actor, very, very successful actor, moved to LA. But she was in this movie, I I don't know how or when, but she's in the beginning of the movie with um, two of the kids and they're at the police station, uh, I think like kind of reporting an, Mm. an abuse. Um, so she's in the movie. And so she wrote to me, was like, did you get your Screen Actors Guild Award? And I was like, I'm sorry, like, what? So, I'm so, uh, sorry, no. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> did you send this to the like wrong the- person? Like, what's going on? Because you- she knew I was in it too. So we, we would be like, ah! And um, 
I guess I didn't like, I don't know if I watched the SAGs or I heard that it won, but I didn't think of like, I'm, it's just like, cool. You yeah. know, the best part of that whole experience was just getting the call sheet and seeing Stanley Tucci and Mark Ruffalo and Paloma Nunez. Like, like, like I still have the call sheet because that was like the most excited I've been like a kid before you go to Disney world the next day. Yes. Like what's your most excited the night before when you can't sleep? And like in in a way where you're like, you know, you get like frustrated when you can't sleep. I was like this, can't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad I can't sleep. I'm so glad I have a reason enough. What was, um, okay. So when I was a kid, there was this, like, I think it was like a made for TV movie, uh, called on the second day of Christmas, I think. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I originally know Mark Ruffalo from. And I'm sure he would not love that. That's my reference. Um, but I would watch that show. My mom like taped it on a VHS and I would watch that show. Like I'm surprised the tape even works anymore. Maybe it doesn't. Um, what was Mark Ruffalo like? I will tell you. Please, please don't friggin- ruin him. I'm so scared. Okay, he's a sorry. dream. He's a wonderful <gasps> human being. He was wonderful. So this is what happened because it was really, uh, that scene was just uh, me and Mark Ruffalo at the beginning because he comes in through that elevator and I'm just like, um, kind of like a snotty, no time, no time for anybody um, kind of receptionist. So that was just us on set first, early, early in the morning. And he just comes in and he seems a little like, like low status. And then he's like, oh, so uh, you, you good? You need did you get enough to eat like that? Like in a, and I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm good. So I, it's just funny how people play their statuses. So then we're driving mm-hmm. to set and like he was joking around. So like he got more comfortable and I got to more comfortable and he was joking around and being like, yeah, like, yes. And, and talking improv. And I don't know. Cause uh. I never told him I, maybe I did tell him I did improv. So he, that's how must be how we got on it. And then he's just like, so like, what's your big deal with like, why you're so cranky or something? And I'm like, well, it's actually because my boyfriend broke up with me. And then I just like <laughs> went off in the car cause we're having fun and doing bits. Yeah, and yeah. then we get on set and they're like, okay, rehearsal, which is just like for the camera and the director to see like what we're doing and everything working. Um, and he's like, well, are you going to do your monologue? And I was like, uh, really fun time in the car, Mark. Uh, but I'm like a guest on this film and, um, thank you. But I'm like, no, I'm not, no, like just mouthing that to him, which was really cute that he was just like, even that friendly. Yeah. Um, so just like wonder, wonderful guy. So we're, we're, he comes in and he's like, uh, I don't remember even the line of just like his buddy here. And I'm like, yeah, just sit down. And he's like, uh, what's wrong? So he like, you know, when you like are improvising with someone and they just are like, go ahead. It's okay. And he gives that like moment to be like, I'm going to go off script now so that you can have your little fun moment. And so then I got to just be like, well, actually I broke up with my boyfriend, but it was like one of the most generous, nice things that another actor could do is to be like, here, you can play on here too. And because I'm Mark fucking Ruffalo, I can like, open the door for you yes. to come through. Like I couldn't have, I just didn't have the guts to do something like that. Yeah. On my own. Who yeah. the hell do I think I am? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so for him to do something like that, that's my favorite story to tell about actors. Cause I was like, that's what he did. He let me have a little bit so everyone could laugh and have a good time. And getting like, chills. That yeah. is so wonderful. Like he like you saw my part. It's not huge. It's not, and I'm not ashamed of that, but it's like, but he still would give this little actor that fun moment. So I could feel fun on set. And that's like, that's how everyone does well. 
Yeah, absolutely. 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 Because if you would have just done it, then it looks like, oh, here, I'm trying to, I'm trying to steal the spotlight. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then him doing it, (laughs) I I can do this comedy stuff. No, but, uh, but him doing that is then him being like, look, I'm going to set you up. Oh, look how good she is that she could volley that back. Or she, I don't know if it's because I'm wearing Raptors and like we're, you're in a Jersey, but I'm like <laughs> making sports references that I don't know if they're right, but he's like volleying it and you're spiking yep. and you would have looked bad if you just spiked a ball on the ground. I don't know. Exactly. And that's yeah. why I was like, there's no way I was like, I don't feel comfortable. That's what I mouthed to him. And he was like, all right, then I'll lob the ball for you. And I think it's like, you understand the status here. Right. And I feel like I'd be this little small town Toronto actor trying to show off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what it would have looked like if you just did it, but him doing it, then you just look like the talented fucking comedian, improviser, actor who can hang like, Oh, I I can handle this. It's fine. Throw anything you want at me. (gasps) What? That is. Oh, truly a gem of a human to do that for something somebody who's doing such a small thing Mm. and then I got to meet Stanley Tucci who was (gasps) so nice they're both just lovely wonderful people very very nice and then like they bring you back to your trailer because they were shooting more things and then Mm. they're like maybe we'll need you for another scene they didn't but it's fine but they're like we're gonna take (laughs) you back to set to say goodbye so I got to get driven back to set Brought in, and obviously pre-COVID times, because it already seems right. like, what, what do you <laughs> it mean? It already seems that? so weird. Yeah, yeah. And like come in while they're sitting there and like, Paloma. And they gave me a big hug, both of them. And we're like, thank you. And that's how they treated wow. that So honestly, 100%, I like skipped home on the subway <laughs> being like, that was the coolest day of my life. It was really Oh my cool. God. Every set should be like that. That's fucking mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is amazing. Oh, and that's good to hear. My mom loves Stanley Tucci as do I actually, we were at, have you ever eaten at, um, lady marmalade? It's a, like a brunch place in Toronto. It's in the East end. I haven't, but I've heard of it and I would love yes. to, was he there? So good. So we were, my mom and I were eating and he was there with his, he was there with somebody and, uh, she maybe, but now I'm realizing I no. Oh my God. No, I see your face. Okay. No, this is why I'm like, I don't know. He was there with who we thought was his wife. And then like a year later. Okay. And then at the same time I had auditioned for this movie about like, I can't remember. It was similar to bird box. And then a year, I didn't get it. But a year later I saw this movie and Stanley Tucci and this woman that he was sitting with was playing his wife. So I don't know if it was his movie wife or his Real wife. That was my confusion. Real wife is an, a, an agent or something. It's Emily oh. Blunt's sister, isn't it, or something? Because he was saying there that his wife was pregnant oh. on set on that. Yeah. And he's like, no, oh, my wife's pregnant. And you know when you're just sitting around being like, I'm just sitting around while these two guys talk. And hearing, I know all these things. Like, oh, Stan. You just start calling him Stan and like Marky yeah. or like Ruff. I don't know. Let's Ruffy. none of those. Yeah. Ruffy. Hey, little Ruffy and Stan. What's up? That would be a cute show. Ruffy and Stan and them two yeah. playing it. I love them. Please have me on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please have her on. Look, she can do all the monologues. She, I think <laughs> that'd be so great. Um, oh, that's so wonderful. That's so good to hear. Oh, that's amazing. Um, I would love to ask you about motherhood okay. a little bit. Uh, because, okay, here's, I have apprehension about asking anybody about motherhood because, or not anybody, artists. Because I feel like I don't want to be one of those people that asks women about them being a mom if that's all that they're asked about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then at the same time, I think I have, I know a couple people who have kids who are my age, but they're not in the acting world. And 
I feel like it's a whole other world, like planning for a kid. I don't even know how I would do that. It just seems because this industry is so like unpredictable and inconsistent. Like, how do you even go about doing that? So I'm curious, um, when did you know that you for sure wanted to have kids or did you ever know for sure that you wanted to have kids? I used to like, when I was waitressing, I was waitressing at Hemingway's, um, early on in my uh, non-existent acting career because I had to waitress. Um, and I remember like, cause it would be in Yorkville. So I would like count pregnant ladies as I would walk. I'm like, oh, I saw like four, five, six. I'm like, I think that's a thing. That's a weird thing. That's unusual. It's, it, I wasn't conscious of it. It was just something that I did. And then I was like, oh, I was counting pregnant ladies again. I don't know. <laughs> I knew I wanted kids, mm-hmm. um, but it's hard. <laughs> mm. Does, but yeah, does the, like, does the, I guess, I have fear about taking a break. I have fear about, um, and also, I mean, I, I should also like acknowledge, like you are in a, uh, much more stable stage of your career than I am. I feel like I'm still like starting out, whereas you have like a ton of credit. So it might be very different for you, but I have fear of like that you might, I might be forgotten or like, yeah, I don't know. Or, or I also just feel like in the medical field and just everybody, I don't feel like women's anything about women's reproductive life or pregnancy or anything is like respected in the way that it should be. And that freaks me out a little bit. So I'm wondering like, how did you feel the industry and that in any capacity, like treated you as a, as a pregnant woman or like afterwards as a mom? That's a weird question, but no, it's not. It's a great question. Um, uh, yes, it's scary to think about stepping away is what it mm. really feels like. Um, but for some reason, maybe it was the time, maybe it was like just this perfect timing, but like when I got pregnant, I felt like I gave a shit less about a lot of things mm. or there's like just something else going on. So I felt like I got a lot more callbacks and I booked a lot more, mm. like did so much better. Oh, thanks, baby. You're like, I know, truly. Hey, yeah. Then, um, one of my uh, a, a director I used to work with at Alameda Theater, Mary Lo Nunez, she was like, have babies, have babies. You got to have babies at some point. And then she was like, baby. And I was worried like you, like, what about money? Mm. What about a job? And she's like, babies come with loaves of bread under their arms. And I was like, okay. And they do. They literally do. Like I got commercials. I got audition. Like I booked things that I hadn't really ever gotten like I felt like that was the beginning of my career really starting to pick up and be consistent in some way and if consistent is a thing in this ridiculous Mm -hmm. um Canadian industry Mm. we keep prefacing the Canadian part (laughs) um but like I got spotlight just I think I was like three or four months old Mm. Um, my first kid, oops, I said his name. Um, my first kid was <laughs> three or four months old. I can beep then, it out. Don't worry. We'll do a little whatever. boop. <laughs> um, and my second kid, I felt, okay. So the first kid was like around 20, he was born 2014. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, so right before, yeah. Yeah. I did that in 20, the end 15? of 2014. Cause it came oh, out yeah. in 2015. Yeah. Um, so they, uh, I found that at that point, people were like, well, at a certain point, we're going to just stop submitting you um, because like you're pregnant and that's like a thing. Like it was like a stigma, like a, mm. like a, like a disability in some way. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay. And I didn't really agree. Cause I was like, well, really it's not up to casting if they want to see me, it's up yeah. to the 
sure if they want to book me. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be up to my agents to say, we're not going to submit you. It shouldn't be up to casting again to say, we're not going to see you. If I'm right for the role, I'm right for the role. So what if you're pregnant? Um, Put a clipboard in front of you. They do it all the time. Like, yeah, like yeah. Elaine. Oh my God, not Elaine. <laughs> Elaine Bennis, uh, <laughs> aka Julia Louis Dreyfus, did it. <laughs> and stuff. Um, like it happens, but I, I'm not like that high of a level that they're like, we're going to build the show around it and has to keep mm. going. But I felt like it was, I'm trying to remember all the things that I did, but I felt like I was like, that was one of my best years. Mm. And then after that, I felt like it was kind of steady. And then with my second kid, it was like post me too. And it was like mm. time's up. And it was like, I worked to the Friday and had my kid the Monday. Wow. Like I had so much work. Like I shot a movie, very pregnant. They didn't even know. And honestly, it's crazy how the camera doesn't see some of those things. Mm -hmm. Like I shot this movie mouthpiece with Patricia Rosma in it. And I'm about seven months pregnant in it. And you can't really tell. And I had to wear maternity like dress pants. Yeah. And you really like can't over- tell. Well, uh, yeah. So it's like, and what like, is you it? You see most of me, but you really can't tell. I, I don't know. It bothers me the dismissal. I just feel like it's like, oh, you're, pr- I just feel like women, first of all, I'm like, sorry, she's growing a fucking, she's growing a, a version of you, like a human inside of her. She is literally yeah. a magical like witch. And I'm saying that in a positive way because I love witches. A magical <laughs> witch right now. And you're dismissing her because I don't know, it just drives me crazy. And I think I'm, I'm nervous about it because it's easy for me to stick up for somebody who is pregnant when I'm not pregnant, but when I'm pregnant, they might not listen to me. Like that scares me a little bit. Yeah. It has, it has, it was much better. Like I shot a Mm. movie when I was nine months pregnant on the uh, film called The Kindness of Strangers Mm. with uh, Lone Scherfig, who was the director. And she was just like, I saw you in your tape. And I had auditioned, I can't remember what the part was that I auditioned for. And she's like, well, I couldn't have you play that. So I'm having you for this. And I honestly don't even really show up in the movie because it's like an ER nurse, like crazy thing. I play lots of nurses, lots of nurses. Um, (laughs) You nailed that nurse scene. And now Paloma, everybody's like, she can fucking nail a nurse. Get her in here. Let's do this. Cinematic nurse. Let's go. so much nurse. The clothes are terrible. They're terrible. Uh, Very comfortable though. Um, So yeah, like at super nine months pregnant, just sitting there in the chair waiting to shoot. (laughs) It was just so like, and when are you due? And how is it? And like the director, like they're, they're almost like even more like, how are you? You're okay. And no one was like, this is a insurance issue or something, which is what I was worried about. And it was like the middle of winter. I remember it was pretty, (laughs) it was pretty intense, but it like, so the second time around, so even more now, I think Mm -hmm. the industry is like, doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. they left it up to my, the producers and whoever. And they're like, well, bring her in, you get callbacks. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. super pregnant getting callbacks for commercials and it, it was great. So mm. it doesn't matter that much yeah. anymore. And I feel like then you have a baby, we have no mat leave um, really, yeah. but then you can just start auditioning once you feel like you have enough sleep in a routine. So really mm-hmm. I end up missing like three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. And I actually, even when you were speaking earlier about, like when we're talking about, you have to live life to have things to bring. I, I really do believe, or I have to believe <laughs> that like, I have to keep hoping that like, whenever you do things that are more authentic for you or what you want in your life, then the career stuff will follow like that. Then you're just, you know, you're just showing yourself better. So 
there's like women like Danny Kind, who I believe is a single mother who has mm-hmm. two or three boys. Like women are doing it. Not mm-hmm. even women that we even know who have children are yeah. out there working and getting it done. And, and it, it's very possible. It, yeah. I mean, the hours can be wild and crazy, but people like Meredith McNeil would be very mm-hmm. much of an advocate for being like, we should be done. So like we can go pick our kids up from daycare mm-hmm. and was really trying to uh, push for having like daycares on sets and like, you know, family friendly hours. And it shouldn't just be women who need to push for that because it's not just women's job. Mm -hmm. It's men's job too. And they all, you know, have kids that they need to pick up from daycare or want to spend time with as well. Mm -hmm. So making, you know, if you're producing a show or if you're an executive producer, trying to make include that is I think a really wonderful inclusive thing for everyone. Mm -hmm. You're only going to set everybody up for success. Like you're only going to make it easier for everybody, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, we are wrapping up. I just, uh, this has been so nice. I just want to ask you, uh, yeah, (laughs) we're wrapping up our sweat and we're putting it in a little bottle and we're selling it on Patreon. No, I don't have a Patreon. Um, okay. So we, I wanted to ask you, uh, a few little questions at the end, just to like, sort of get to know you a little bit. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, okay. What's your favorite kind of gift to get for your birthday? (gasps) Clothes. I love clothes. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good. That's a good answer. Okay. Um, what is the last show that you binge watched? Uh, I'm in the middle of I May Destroy You and Canada's Drag Race. Oh, okay. I'm also, I'm very behind in Canada's Drag Race. I just, um, I'm just caught up. So like, okay. I mean, I can't binge it because it's, it's right. still, still being happening. released, but yeah. just like really, you know what, that fun energy uh escape world of drag race is just really sometimes what you need and i may destroy you is so powerful and awesome michaela cole where yeah where can you watch that hbo okay hbo okay let's do it that's great i love it um okay what's something you wish you knew more about you already said one of these but what's something you wish you knew more about um uh Maybe like uh, like the history of indigenous people in Canada. Amazing answer. Um, University of Calgary. Alberta is doing Alberta, that. Th- Calgary, right, Alberta. Yes, and I think they're still offering it because I actually thought I missed the window because it was like months ago that they opened it, um, but I think it's still open. Like if- an ongoing thing, yes. Yeah. I need to do that. I've, yes. I've seen it. It's like something there and I'm like, okay. Hey, I'm going to get that done. Cause I know I'm- me too. I, I, I also, that's, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's such, and anyone listening, I think it's still open. So go online. It is free. It's a free program that you can do. Free. Why not? Free, and like, online, I know yeah. we did not learn. Uh, no. You learned like, yeah, yeah. And there was residential schools, but anyways, um, uh, back to us. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I enrolled in a class in university called indigenous resistance in global context. And I thought it was about global warming. That's how they sold it to me that I didn't Whoa. even understand what it was about. And then I got in and it was fucking amazing. I still have a bunch of books from the, it was such a good course. And I was I like, did why learn- did I learn nothing about of this in it is up until university? Like that is wild to me. I did one in university too, but it was mm. like a, it was theater history and criticism. And it was about, it, no, it wasn't theater history, criticism, something like that, but it was all indigenous playwrights and oh. all. And so it's almost like you learn it. You're like, oh, what all the symbolism is and how horrific it is. So I feel like my, <sighs> education was through some of the playwrights and, and I would say a small, still very small sliver of it, but I'm like, Whoa, why don't they tell you about this? Well, I can see yeah. why they wouldn't tell you about it. Right. Well, exactly. But I think we all have to, we all have we to wear to our, our successes as well as our shames and our, like, it makes us all who we are. And if we at least know about it, 
we can grow from it and do better the next time. But if we pretend it never happened, then like we just start this like lie cycle that that can't be leading you in a good path. You know? Absolutely. Like, I don't think it's easier to look yourself in the mirror and feel good about yourself if you can successfully ignore something like that doesn't make yeah. you a better person. Um, I love that. Love, love, love that. Um, what actor would you love to film a fight scene with? A fight scene? Yeah. Oh my God. And, and a safe Probably fight like scene and it's whatever hot. you want. Sorry, sorry. Probably someone super hot, but that's mm. just a, like, I probably would just get <laughs> punched out. Maybe it would just be fun to like, I don't know, Charlize Theron, I know is doing oh. a lot of her own stunt things, but more just to be like, you're so fucking cool. <laughs> I guess I'll hit you. Yeah. What a cool I question. Mean, you can even pick like, it, yeah, it's like, it could even be or like, oh, hot. Mark Mark Ruffalo and Stanley Tucci, just so I could hang out with them again. Because really, you just get to hang out with these people and then do a choreographed fight. Oh, that's cool. Ooh, or like Hulk. Like when oh, Mark Ruffalo yeah, plays. totally. You're like Hulk? Would be oh, is that kids. Mark? Ugh, they'd be like, mommy. Oh, like you're <laughs> like, so mom's in a Marvel movie. Do we think she's so cool now? Yeah, oh, they would love that. That would, that would make their life Marvel. Give me a call. Marvel. <laughs> Paloma's available. Do you have a superhero who's a nurse? She's very versed in that. Super nurse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, okay. And my last question for you is, when was the last time that you felt really appreciated? Oh, <sighs> wow. Uh, maybe at the top of this, when you were saying all those wonderful things um, about me, it's funny, you know, like living in this insular world and feeling like we're doing a lot of like surviving mm. and just like trying to stay healthy and not like, I don't know, die or <laughs> yeah. have the economy fall apart or get sick and like endanger other people. Um, it's, it's not that I've really sat down and thought about the things I've done before or have someone just be like, this was so awesome. So, so you, I mean, it was pretty recent. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. That was very nice. Well, you equally made me feel appreciated. Like even before we started recording, like you were just, you like started off with a compliment and I was like, oh fuck, this is going to be awesome. This is so nice. (laughs) So I just, uh, this is like lovely. I was I genuinely mean this, that I was so excited to think that I get to have a one-on-one conversation with you. And so equally like, holy, you know, when you said the call sheet with Mark Ruffalo, that's how I felt about this conversation. I was like, but I'm like, I'm going to sit one-on-one and it's not like I can be like, okay, like, um, after a show, oh, I got to go, sorry. And get myself out of it. If I'm nervous, it's like, I get to, and nicely you can't, and I have to trap you here (laughs) or like I get to trap you here. (laughs) So it's awful. Oh, it's been a, like a super treat. Honestly, what a thrill to get to sit and chat with you. And you're so mm. friendly and nice. And these are great questions. Like, oh. I was like, I don't know what to talk about, but you <laughs> took care of me. Well, that's, I was just gonna say, that's my job. You don't have to think of anything. And honestly, like I could sit here and ask you about yourself for like seven hours and I would have, I would just have endless questions. So I think you are way more interesting than you're giving yourself credit for. So I just so appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you so much. And Yay, Raptors, because we won tonight, right? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah, they had that. Maybe two won. minutes. Yeah. yeah that's so me. great. Oh. So fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Liquid Courage podcast. 
If you liked what you heard, please help me out by leaving a rating or a comment on your Apple Podcast app or on YouTube or wherever you might be listening from. And if you're like me and you have an awful memory or you just don't want to have to remember when the next episode comes out, hit that subscribe button and the newest episode will automatically download for you. Just like magic. I love it. (laughs) You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Liquid Courage Podcast and on Twitter at Liquid C Podcast. And if you're still listening, I want to remind you that a pandemic is still taking place. And I don't say that to be a buzzkill or to scare you, but to ask you to please, please continue or start wearing your mask when you're out of your house and around other people. We should be treating people how we want to be treated. And if you want to be safe and healthy, respect the health and safety of the people around you. Please. Thanks again for listening. It means the world to me. Stay safe and take care.